Lord, thank you for these precious friends. I pray connection between us. Thank you for new babies being born. Lord, we celebrate with Lisa and just the gift of life where you keep showing up, telling us that you are you are for life, that yes. you are for, for us. And so we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for the way that you're operating in our bodies and the healings that are not yet but will be. We thank you for our family and our friends. We thank you for interpersonal relationship things that are, are a struggle and a wrestle, but they're also being healed and we're seeing victories. Lord, we celebrate even the very small things and we celebrate the big things too. And we just celebrate the fact that we live in a country where we can actually do this at our leisure, in our freedom, we can come together with one another and we can celebrate you and you will teach us holy spirit come upon this time anoint us with your teaching anoint us with your word anoint us with your comfort anoint us with your goodness lord let us go out with a skip in our step with joy in our hearts with revival in our presence lord we ask for you to change us and renew us and we thank you lord that you are the god who restores all things it's in your name we pray jesus amen so Sunday night, um, because I've been trying to grab as much time with my kiddos as I can before I leave, I don't know, I mean, it's not like I'm leaving for the rest of my life, and I know a lot of people travel all the time, but it's like, I'm leaving, can you come hang out with me? <laughs> will you come to my house? Will you Will you come have dinner? Will you play with me? And so, um, yeah, so they'll hear from me a lot this week <laughs> about those things, but um Anyway, so Taylor, we're all here, and um, Taylor was just fun, and he was funny, and he was being totally Taylor, who he is, and it was just really a blessing. I know if you have older kids, you know what I mean kind of by that, that there's just times when they're just being the best of who they are, and it's so fun for me as a parent to just sit back and watch it, and it's kind of like, I've said this before, it's like, I kind of don't want to breathe, like, I don't want to say anything, I'm like, I don't want, like, no sudden movements here, because something might shift, you know, it's just always going to feel like that when you have the dynamics of a lot of people in the room, and so he read us the story, he was talking to us about, you know, it was coming from this idea of, like, belief systems that we have when we're young, belief things. And one of the things that Taylor told us that I thought was so cute, he's like, I used to believe that because when I would go into Target and I would see the Target employees look like they were working super hard, that that meant that they made a ton of money. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that seems like a good theory. But then he read this story, and um, it's a story about a family and kind of their traditions. And the print is incredibly small, and for some reason I can't yeah, make it get larger, so... It's okay. I'll be able to. I might have to stumble a little. When I was nine, I really wanted a guitar for my birthday, so I made sure to make that very clear to both my parents. I would always talk about guitars, how much I wanted to play one, and even which specific guitar I wanted. And finally, my father asked me directly if I'd want a guitar, and I knew I had succeeded. I told him, I really want one. My birthday was a couple of weeks away, so I started to get really excited about my guitar. I started memorizing chord charts. I made a list of all the Rise Against songs I wanted to learn. My father then asked me um, if he could talk to me about something important. He came into my room and sat down next to me. He basically told me I wasn't getting a guitar and that I'd be getting something much more special instead. I asked him what it was. And he put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, Son, you're getting my socks. <laughs>
Then he proceeded to give me this long talk about um, how it is a tradition in our family for fathers to pass down their socks to their son when they turned ten years old, and that he would be doing the same, and that, and that he would be doing the same thing with me. When I got sad about, it, he told me that I should instead be proud that I had reached the age of manhood and would be able to wear his socks. <laughs> I was pretty bummed out for a few days, but the more he brought it up, and the closer my birthday got, I started to get kind of excited about it. I asked him what color the socks were, and if I could start wearing them immediately. I even told him that I was looking forward to the day I could pass down my own socks to my son. And when, when he turned 10, and I started telling all my friends about it, basically saying that they should keep an eye out, out for my feet next week, because I was approaching manhood. Needless to say, None of this was true, and my birthday came, and indeed, I did get a guitar I had asked for. My entire family was in on it, and they were happy to see how excited I was about no socks. <laughs> he, said, that was he said he's 23 now, and he still hasn't gotten a sock, so he's not really sure if he's reached manhood. Yet. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he cut that part off, but that was just so great. <laughs> I just thought it was so cute, and, and I thought, you know... This is the thing. It's perspective. Mm-hmm. Perspective. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when it comes to the Lord, I know in, I can look back over my journey with Him, and I met the Lord when I was 15. I mean, He always knew me. I, I didn't have to introduce myself. He already knew who I was, but I didn't know who He was until I was 15 years old. And when I was 15, I just remember I had all of these thoughts and ideas about who God was and you know, what he was like, and what he would do, and what he wouldn't do, and how he would act, and, and I was really, I was very, very much more of a black and white person than I am now, I'm a little bit more gray, whether you believe that or not, and I was, you know, very much like, here's how this works, and this is how being a Christian looks, and, you know, I was just, whatever I was being taught, I was absorbing it, and so I had this certain perspective, and as time went on, you know, the Lord was so good to begin Increasing my understanding of his love, increasing my understanding of his grace, increasing my, releasing in me law, releasing in me rules and regulations. But it's a process, I think, for the rest of our lives to be in this process of understanding that we're never going to totally grasp who God is because if we could, he wouldn't be God. And so that's a good thing. But the other good thing is that he wants to make himself known to us. Mm-hmm. And so as I was reading this next passage, we're in chapter 4, 1 Peter. And last week, Louise, as always, did a great job of taking us through chapter 3. Um, and chapter 4 starts with, um, in the NIV, a therefore. And whenever there's a therefore, you always ask, what's the Therefore, that's just how you're supposed to study God's Word. And so um, I'm going to read actually from the Passion, and then I'll read a little bit from the NIV, but um, we'll get a little glimpse of her both. It says, Since Christ, though innocent, suffered in his flesh for you, now you must also be a prepared soldier, having the same mindset. For whoever has died in his body is done with sin. So live the rest of your earthly life no longer concerned with human desires, but consumed with what brings pleasure to God. For you have already spent time doing what unbelievers love to do, living in debauchery and sensuality, partying, drunkenness, wild drinking parties, and the worship of demons. They marvel that you no longer rush to join them in the excesses of their corrupt lifestyles. 
and so they vilify you. But one day they will have to give an account to the one who is destined to judge the living and the dead. This is the reason the gospel was preached to the martyrs before they gave their lives. Even though they were judged by human standards, now they live in spirit by God's standards. Since we are approaching the end of all things, be intentionally purposeful and self-controlled so that you can be given to prayer. Above all, constantly echo God's intense love for one another, for love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins. Be compassionate to foreigners without complaining. Every believer has received grace gifts, so use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. For example, if you have a speaking gift, speak as though God were speaking his words through you. If you have the gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength God gives you, so that in everything God alone will be glorified through Christ Jesus. For to him belong the power and the glory forever throughout all ages. Amen. So when Peter writes this, he's kind of referring back to um, 1 Peter 3, um, at about verse 17. And so if you want to turn your Bible back to there, just as a, in the way of a reminder. Um, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if it is what God's, is God's plan, than for doing evil. Christ suffered and died for sins once for all, the innocent for the guilty, to bring you near to God by his body, being put to death and being raised to life by the Spirit. So um, when we look at this beginning passage, this beginning part of the passage, and it talks about, therefore, since Christ in NIV suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude. So Peter is talking about the fact that not just Christ suffered, because we know that Jesus suffered. I and mean, we know he suffered a lot of things on earth. Not only the cross, which was the ultimate suffering, but he suffered rejection from his friends. He suffered rejection from his family. He suffered, like, being misunderstood. He suffered being hated. I mean, people literally hated him enough to want to kill him. That's some pretty strong hate. Um, he, suffered, um, he suffered having to leave everything behind in heaven to come here and put on human form and actually lay aside his rights which meant that he, he took on human form to the point that he could show us how to live in this way through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if he would have just come and done what he did, and still in his, without setting anything aside, he, never, he didn't set aside his deity, he didn't change who he was, but he laid down his rights, he laid down his, some of his abilities to do things out of his deity in order to operate as a person. Through the power of the Father, connection with the Father, and the Holy Spirit. So he could show us, we can do the same thing. Because otherwise, what's the big deal? If God comes and he does all these things as God, but we have no capacity to do that, we're still amazed by that, but it doesn't give us much hope of being able to live that out in our lives. And so Jesus wanted to show us, he wanted to first understand what it was like to be us, but he also wanted to show us how we actually could live. And this has been the biggest shift of my perception about God. You know, when I talk about that little story about your perception, like, I really want a guitar, but I'm getting socks, but socks are sounding okay now. I'm kind of excited about socks. Um, my, one of my biggest perceptions about God was this idea that kind of began rumbling around in my head through other teaching and reading books and, you know, through the Word. It was just bringing to light things in the Word that I'd never seen, that God actually wants us. I mean, it says it in the Word, that we are actually to do greater things than He did. Mm -hmm. And that's not a theory. Mm -hmm. 
that this resurrected life that we live is not a theory. It's not just for heaven. It's for now. There will be more. It'll be greater. We haven't attained to the fullness of what we're going to get. We have a deposit right now. But it's a pretty hefty deposit. And the deposit is Holy Spirit. And Jesus needed to go away so that we could actually have God living in us. The resurrected Christ in the form of Holy Spirit living in our lives. And so when Peter's talking about Christ's suffering, what he's talking about here is he's really trying to focus on the fact that he died for our sins, that his suffering in his body did something. It changed the universe. I talked about that at church a couple weeks ago because it was really an aha for me when I had read it. It's, you know, there's things that you go, oh yeah, I guess I would have thought that, but I never thought that. Do you know what I mean? Like until somebody actually writes it or says it and it's like, to, to the Jews, to the believers, um, and there were Gentile believers, not many, but to the believers, when Jesus went to the cross, they knew, they knew this, they didn't have to be taught this, everything changed. The earth knew, everything changed. The atmosphere knew, everything changed. Things changed in the world, not just a temporary change, but a forever change. The world, life as we know it, was never the same. That's kind of what I th always think. When, when I hear that phrase, I always think of 9-11. I, I remember where I was. I remember what I was doing. I remember the day. I remember saying to my children, you're not going to school today. You're staying home today. Because life as we knew it changed at that moment. Like, uh, how do I trust? I mean, this has never been a reality on, on our soil before like this in, in, in my lifetime. And so for, for us, life Life changed when Jesus Christ went to the cross. And so what Peter is telling them is, I want you to put on the same attitude. I want you to have the same mindset that Jesus took on, not just in his suffering, but because of what he paid for in that suffering. Arm yourselves with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Is done with sin. This is not just talking about Jesus. Peter is telling us our identity. When Jesus went to the cross in his body, his body took on everything that, that sin would have been, would causes in the body. I have a friend who's, um, whose daughter um, became a meth addict. She, she was a homeschool kid, and you know, you'd think like all of these things were being poured into her life, you know, protected, went, went to a Christian school, you know, had loving parents, you know, didn't lack for food. I mean, they, it wasn't like overindulgent, but it wasn't like they weren't poverty-stricken. But somehow, someway, something happened, like life does, and she ended up on the, living on the streets. And, um, when they found her, because they spent a lot of time looking for her, when they found her, like, she had, like, no teeth basically left. I mean, she looked aged. If you've ever seen a meth addict or read much about what methamphetamine kind of things do, I mean, they completely change your appearance. They completely change your mind. I mean, they just wreak havoc on your life. And um, so... They, you know, did all the things they needed to do. They took her to the dentist. They fed her. They, you know, brought her back in the house. And because of that, her whole life changed. Because really, for a while, it was like she was dead. And then she came back to life. And so what Peter is trying to tell us here is that because of Christ on the cross, his death, he took on the ravages of sin. Like, what happened to his body 
what happened, you know, when people spit at him, when people pulled out the hairs on his beard, when people hit him in the back with the, you know, cat of nine tails, you know, when he was nailed to the cross, when he just was broken and beaten and bruised and humiliated, like, all of that was, to me, a prophetic picture of what sin looks like in the physical. See, sin, sin does things to us. It does things to the world. You know, we read about it in the news. We hear about it on the radio sometimes. We know that there's a lot of stuff going on, and it's the result of the brokenness and the separation from God. And so when Jesus went to the cross, he literally was like, Bring it on. Bring it all on. I will take it all on. He didn't feel sorry for himself. He willingly went. He, and by the way, I loved when I finally learned that Jesus actually volunteered for the position. He was not just sent by the Father. He volunteered. The Trinity, I just picture them, you know, I've probably said this before, but I picture them kind of in their little Trinity huddle. And it's like, okay, well, this is what we need to do. They had a plan before the beginning of time, by the way, because God knew, because he's God, he knew what people would do and what they would need. And Jesus volunteered on behalf of us in love to say, I will go, I will suffer, I will do that. No one made Jesus go to the cross. And here's the thing, like remember when he goes into the wilderness for 40 days and the enemy is wanting to tempt him in the wilderness and the enemy can't touch him, he can't do anything to him. So when he goes to the cross, the enemy, what's he thinking? Oh my goodness, I have won, I have won. Look, they're plucking the hairs out of his beard and they're doing all of these torturous things to him. See, he's not, he's not what he was saying, he was all cracked up to be. But it was his willingness to go. And when he went and he died on the cross, we talked a lot about this for a couple weeks in, in our church community, but we talked a lot about what the reality of what baptism is. And what baptism is is exactly what Peter's trying to tell us right here in the scripture, is that if you have suffered with Christ, if you have died with Christ, then you are no longer ruled by sin. See, when we when we talk about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he died on the cross, he was buried, but he resur was resurrected into a whole new life. And he died on our behalf, he died for us, he died we died with him. And so when we when we do the act of baptism, when we perform that act in a church or a community, what it's really saying is I am identifying with the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. Now I'm a new creation. It's not just saying, hey, hey, I'm a Christian. Well, I didn't even know I'm a Christian. I thought you should know I was a Christian. No, it's an actual prophetic act to say, I went down and I literally died with Christ, and now I have been resurrected with him. I have a new life. There is a new life for me. And what Peter is trying to help him understand is that if you, if you get your identity, this is nothing new, if you get what your identity is in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, then you no longer, then you are done with sin. That doesn't mean we can't sin or that we won't sin, but it does mean I don't have to sin anymore. See, if I... If I think I'm something that I'm not, it doesn't matter whether I am or not. It matters what I think. If I think I'm, um, 
I don't know, if I think I'm a terrible, horrible, awful person and nobody likes me, then what's going to happen is even though that's not necessarily my nature to act maybe as a terrible, horrible, awful person, I am going to live kind of this self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. If I think I'm still bound by sin, if I think I'm still that sin still has a hook on me, that I still am the compulsion of sin I have to say yes to, then I will just give myself permission to keep living like my old self. This may not sound like anything but semantics, but I want you to know, this is huge. It's huge. And that's why I told my story about the phone at Disneyland. Did I tell it at Bible study too? Yeah, that just that idea of like, like when God breaks in and he says, that's not your identity, Robin. That is not who you are. Even though you're behaving like this, that is not who you are. And when I stop and agree with him about who I am, I, it totally changes my outlook. It totally changes my attitude. Completely changes my identity. I still wake up some days and go, I feel really sad this morning. I feel, I feel depressed. Even though I have been healed, I still wake up and feel that sometimes. But what I do now is I don't go, I am depressed, oh, I am sad, I'm going to keep agreeing with that. I begin filling my mind with good things, and I, I grab a teaching, I put on some worship music, and, and you know, anybody could say, well, anybody can do that, like, you know, somebody, anybody can do that power of positive thinking, you know, transformation kind of thing of the mind, and it's true, because here's the deal, principles are principles, but it's who who is the resource of the principle? Yeah. Who is the one who's giving the power? That's what matter, matters. If I give the power or the credit to myself or to the world or some guru somewhere, I have totally missed the glory of God and what is available for me. That is not just behavior modification, because we can do that, but it's transformation. And so... Now, if we would understand, according to what Peter is reminding us, is that he is saying, I want you to put on this attitude of who you really are. This is who you are. You know, the word tells us in Ephesians 6 that we're put to put on the full armor of God. He tells us to actually armor up. This is, this is a military term, you know, arm yourselves. It's like you're going to war. Arm yourself. You know, you've heard that saying, I'm armed for bear. You know, you're armed, you're ready, you're going to fight whatever's going to come your way. You don't just sit there and get, like, run over by the suggestions and by the emotion, by the feelings. You know, and this is hard for people who are feelers. If you're a feeler, the hard part about being a feeler is you come in and you feel everybody's feelings. And you think of your feelings and you don't know what to do with those, so you start taking them on instead of saying, Oh, no, I don't identify with that because that's not who I am. That's not who I am, and I'm not agreeing with that anymore. And so when the enemy comes with a suggestion of, no, you're just still a sinner saved by grace. You'll always be a sinner. Nothing has really changed in your life. I can say, oh, yeah, that's, that seems true, because, you know, Robin, look at how your behavior is sometimes. And it's like, no, that is not our identity. We are all products right now of what we believe about our identity. And that can sound super new agey, and I don't mean it that way, but the mind, what does it say? What does Romans tell us? Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. 
See, when I become a new creation in Christ, everything is new. I mean, it is new. I didn't understand all of that, but it is new, and it's, and it's becoming new. Okay, so it's the now and the not yet happening at the same time. But it's new. My slate is wiped clean. He doesn't bring in the old up. The backstory is still the backstory. He doesn't bring it into the presence. He never brings it into the presence. It's always the evil one that brings it into the presence. And so when I knew, I knew. But here's the thing that doesn't get renewed without effort and choice is my thinking. My thinking. I actually have to let my mind get renewed. I've been spending really the last seven, eight, whatever years in this process of learning about having your mind renewed. That's what freedom is all about. It's about your mind being renewed. And what happens with us is we go back like it just doesn't take very long when the pressure heats up in our lives and things are hard because that's exactly what was happening. Remember, in this book of uh, 1 Peter, they're persecuted. The pressure is on, and when the pressure's on, we tend to knee-jerk back to our old behaviors, our old mindsets. Instead of being courageous, we become fearful again. Instead of being patient, we become impatient. Instead of being kind and loving, we become judgmental. We become quick-tempered. We become all these things because the pressure's mounting. And here's the thing I've been contemplating a lot and, and this always happens when there's uh, something traumatic that happens in a life or in your family. You really you think about life differently. And my hope is always that I won't just think about life differently, but that it will change how I think about life permanently. Mm-hmm. And what Peter is saying in here is it's like here's this idea as a result that people don't live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God, or to please God, or to do what makes Him happy. So here's what happens. A tragedy comes into somebody's life. They lose a child, or you're in a car accident. If you've ever been in a car accident, um, and you've gotten back in your car, and you drive again, oh my gosh, you are like so hyper, hyper careful, right? You're looking, watching, you don't turn, you turn, like some people go, I'm not even going to turn on the radio, I don't want anything to distract me, because it made an impact on you. Because you're like, my life just flashed before my eyes, you know, and you're like, ooh, I don't, I'm just so thankful that I didn't get hit sideswiped by that car, or maybe you did get hit, but you walked away, and, or maybe you, maybe somebody didn't walk away, and you realize how short life is, and how fragile life is, and, and how fleeting it all is, it's like a wisp, it's a wisp, and one of the things I've been thinking about a lot because of this loss of Pat and our family, um, is that I keep thinking, and I don't even know how to formulate it into words, but it's a it's something God's doing inside me. Is this idea really that people are supposed to, we're supposed to be so changed in Christ that people just look at our lives and they want Jesus. We're supposed to be so changed by Christ. The people look at our lives and they see people who have joy mm-hmm. when they shouldn't be having joy. Mm-hmm. And they see people that have hope when there's nothing to be hoping about at the moment. And they see people that just have a, a good word and do season for, for what's going on. Like, you know, there's a lot of times that, you know, maybe you're with a friend and you'll share something with them and they have nothing to say to you. They give you no, like, you're like, 
Next, swipe. You know, I always think about swiping the page on your phone, whatever you're like. You know, I think we're supposed to be listening and caring for one another, not in the natural, but in that supernatural way that we have a word to give in due season to each other. We have a good word, not from our own our own intellect and our own, this is the supernatural stuff. Our lives are to be supernatural. And you've heard this before, probably a million times, but I love it every time I hear it. We are not physical beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a physical experience. We need to begin believing this. I am a supernatural, I am a spiritual being. The living God who actually inhabits tabernacles came to take up residence in my life. What I can do, I have not even scratched the surface. What he wants to do through me, through us, we have not even tasted it yet. But because this low bar is our norm, it's our normal still in our communities, in our churches, in our families, in our, in our spiritual experiences. Because the bar's kind of so low, we just think that's normal. Instead of if we look at what Jesus said, the normal is everything that he did. The normal for me is everything he did. So we've had a lot of people that need healing in our community, backs, and then right now we have Cash who has this thing called Perthes, which is basically where the, the ball of the hip joint um, blood flow gets cut off, so it becomes necrotic or it dies. And so right now we have this little precious seven-year-old boy who is losing the socket in his hip, and there's no answers in the human. There's no answers with the doctors. They don't know what to do. They can, they'll do things, but they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. They, they don't know what to do. But, you know, God was so sweet to have a person who actually trained under one of the top docs who yeah. actually, the, the guy um, from Dallas, who actually lives here. <laughs> and so Bree and I were able to go and see him. But the reality is, um, they're not going to heal cash. God is going to heal cash. Mm-hmm. So here's what I'm doing. I am reading, I am studying, I am seeking, I am filling my mind with everything I can find about healing. Why? Because I believe God heals. And I also think I have a responsibility to know what that looks like to enter into this with Him. See, the Bible doesn't just get downloaded in our brains. And I, I said this and I'm repeating some things I've said, but... But I had this kind of aha from the Lord this weekend, which was that we look at it like a textbook, mm-hmm. and we study it to be able to give the right answer. Mm-hmm. And I said, which I thought was actually really funny, I said, you know, like when I studied chemistry in high school, I never thought that by the time I was done, I was going to become a chemist. I just was hoping I would get a good grade, mm-hmm. even though I was studying the subject of chemistry. Well, the thing is, I'm not going to become a disciple by just like reading or not reading the word. I'm going to become a disciple because I spent time with Jesus. Yeah. And the reason 
that we're not attaining to what God wants in our lives is because we've settled to believe this is normal. I do not believe it is normal. I, you would think I was crazy if I came to you and said, no, it's just normal. I'll set for little seven-year-old boys who have blonde hair and blue eyes, which is kind of the statistics and it's so weird. Uh, little boys, blonde hair, blue eyes, for their hip bones to just deteriorate. That's just normal. It's just normal. That's what God wants. That's his will. That's his heart. That is the craziest thinking. And it's what we hear and we get fed over and over again. Oh, no, God is sovereign. And sovereign means he just makes everything happen, the good, the bad, the ugly. No, that's not true. We have a free will. And his sovereignty, of course he is all-powerful. He's he is all-powerful. He's got this baby all stitched up and figured out. We've already won. It's already done. We're actually already seated in heaven with him. I mean, it is a done deal, but we get to go through this life, and partly what I think we get to go through this life with is to understand what is this supposed to be? What is this abundant life supposed to look like? And I know I haven't gotten past the first four ver- three verses, but the idea here is that we are to arm ourselves, or we're supposed to act like who we are. And who we are is we have been um, crucified with Christ, we have been buried with Christ, and we are resurrected. We have a resurrection life. This is not a free pass into heaven life. This is not just get through it, just grit your teeth and get on the other side because heaven is going to be so amazing, which it is going to be amazing. I mean, we can't even, I can't comprehend. I have no idea. I, sometimes I try to think about it and then my mind fritzes out like, oh, that's just so big. I don't even know what that's going to be like, but I know because God says it's going to be good and it's going to be good. But that's the thing for us, my friends. God says a lot of things that I haven't experienced personally in my life. Mm-hmm. But what I do is I dumb God down to my experience instead of instead of raising my hope and my faith up to his truth. Mm-hmm. So he's telling me, because I'm with Christ, because he suffered, because he died, I am done with sin. Mm-hmm. Don't you just get tired of sin? Don't you just get tired of feeling grumpy at people? Don't you get tired of being irritable? Don't you get tired of being judgmental sometimes? Maybe none of you guys ever do that, so, you know, praise God. But I get tired of that, I'll tell you that. I get tired of wrestling with that stuff. And and the more that I understand my identity, the more I can go, oh, hey, that is not me. Let's, we got to do a shift here, Lord. you got to remind me who I am. I This is my responsibility, too, to know what you say, what your promises are, who you are. See, it... I look like a fool a lot of times because I believe God heals and He wants to heal. And I don't know how He's going to do it or how He chooses to do it. I'm not pretending I'm God. But I'm not going to stop believing that because I live in a whole different realm for the majority of my Christian walk because I didn't know that you were supposed to actually believe God in these things. I just thought they were really nice suggestions. He still heals people. He can still raise people from the dead. He still does things that blow our mind. And there are testimonies and medical documentations of this kinds of stuff. And it's like I am bathing my mind in this. Because I believe that if my mind gets bathed in this, I mean, it's all about Jesus. It's not just about the miracle. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just seeking him for the miracle. I'm seeking him. But I know it's his character, and I know it's his heart. The same way that if any of my friends or any of my children came to me and it was in my power to make it happen, 
whatever it was that they needed, I would make it happen. I would make it happen. I wouldn't have to think twice. Oh, you need that? Oh, mm, I don't know. I think I'll just hold on to that a little bit longer. So you could need, you kind of need to want it a little bit more. I don't know. I don't think God is anything like me. Thank goodness. He is just so much better than anyone we could ever imagine, than any love we could ever believe in. And Peter is just trying to say that he died and we're, he suffered and we get all the benefits of that. And we can live like we're dead to sin because we actually are dead to sin. So I don't have to keep choosing sin. It's destructive. There's no joy in it. There's no peace in it. It's totally the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. You know? It's not love, joy, peace, hatred. I mean, that's not on that tree. <laughs> it's not love, joy, peace, jealousy. That's not on that tree. It's not love, joy, peace, critical spirit. That's not on that tree. It's not on that tree. And that's the tree we get to eat from. And hey, I'm in process like everybody else. But the cool thing about it, the thing I love about it, is that I'm realizing more and more that I have a choice. Mm -hmm. And we need to stop acting like we don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing. In my my little... uh, a little aha about how we're supposed to look so different in our lives. Not fake it. Actually, transformation coming into our lives. My aha in that is that I really want people to know Jesus. I really do. I don't want people to die and not know Jesus. I really, really do. But my words don't mean a lot if my life isn't demonstrating the things of Christ. That's why it's so hard to share gospel with family sometimes. Because they're like, well, I know who you are. I mean, Jesus lived through that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know who you are. You just Joseph said, who are you? Okay, can't do any miracles here. Next. So he's saying, here's your position. This is who you are. So stop living like your old life. And I like this so much because he said, so live the rest of your earthly life no longer concerned with human desires, but consumed with what brings pleasure to God. Okay, so here's the new mandate. Get up in the morning and you go, well, I'm going to look at my to-do list. Number one on my to-do list. Number one on the to-do list. Mm -hmm. What brings you pleasure, God? Number one on my to-do list every day. What brings you pleasure, God? What What brings you joy, Lord? What, what just makes you giggle? What makes you happy? I mean, I'm not, I, I don't, we know God's not human like us and that he's like, you know, these emotions are, oh, I'm up and I'm down and I'm happy and I'm sad. He's not like that. But it's this, what, what do you, what do, can I do that will just bring delight to you? Do you realize how powerful that is that we actually can bring delight and joy to our God, that we actually could give him that gift of our lives. That's a big deal, I think. Like, because what other peon in a kingdom of the ultimate king would come to the king and bring them any, you know, significant joy? The jester, maybe? The person who is the cup bearer so they don't die when they drink the wine? I don't know. But they don't need anything from anybody. God doesn't need anything from us. And yet he's chosen a relationship with us, so we actually have this opportunity to offer him ourselves, and that brings him so much joy. When I spend time with Cashinola, 
they can't buy anything for me. <laughs> you know, although Cash is pretty, he's rolling in the dough with his latest birthday here. But normally, you know, they've got their, you know, $4 from allowance or their whatever that usually is like, oh, can we go to Target because it's burning a hole in my pocket, whatever. But it's like they, they can't, you know, they really can't, they don't come over and make me dinner. They don't come over and clean my house. They don't come over and repair the car. They don't come over and do any yard work. And I am crazy about them. Mm -hmm. All I have to do is go, hi, Gigi, I love you. Oh, okay, I'm just a puddle on the ground. Oh, I got a hug. I'm just like, okay. I look at, sometimes I can look at their faces and I could just have tears in my eyes. It's, you know, it's just, that's just, there's not anything they can do except for just offer relationship with me. So if your to-do list was, I get up this morning and I just say, what would bring you joy? And this is what, it's this exchange program that Peter's talking about. He's like, you know what? You had this life. You had tons of opportunity to be selfish, to go out and party, to go out and, you know, commit all kinds of debauchery, sexual sin, whatever you want. I don't condemn you for that. He's not saying you horrible, evil, rotten person. He's just saying you had a whole life to do that. Now, here's the deal. You don't have to do that anymore. It's not who you are. Like, why would you even want to? Like, turn around and choose to live the rest of your life for me, not for yourself. See, most of us, it's hard. It's hard to, like, not have one foot kind of in the world and one foot with Jesus, you know, or sometimes this foot kind of comes over closer to the world, you know, and it's like, it's just... It's hard for us because we never made the transaction to say, this is my new identity. When I married Michael, we moved into the same house together. That was my new identity. I didn't kind of go, well, I'm going to see if you're, you know, what kind of guy you are. We'll, we'll just, we'll give it a little time. I might come over on the weekend. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I, you know, you're not really living up to my standards. No, I made the commitment. We have, we're in a marriage with Christ. It is a covenant relationship with Him. And many of us act as though we just, you know, are, we're cohabitating or we're dating. <laughs> and we still live our lives the way we want to live them, and we do what we want to do. And we don't consider, oh, by the way, this is your stuff, your money, your life, my, the breath in my very lungs is yours. I just constantly am filtering all this stuff through the, what does the world say? You know, I have not, like, I am learning more and more. Like, it's, it's, it makes me so jazzed, you guys, to be able to start learning more and more. Like, wow, supernatural life is really awesome. I have a problem, okay? I used to, okay, pros on one side, cons on the other. Let me think about this. Let me really, you know, use my mind. I have a mind. I, I, I have an intellect that I can think things through. And now it's like, okay, like this thing I was telling you about before we started. It's like, now I'm praying, Lord, what's your solution? Because yours is so much better. Because then you'll get the glory. Because then there will be peace for me. And, you know, other people can make their own choices. But you can do something that I could never do in my own. And I'm pretty good at problem solving. I'm pretty good at thinking about how to dialogue and do that. I can't, I'm pretty good at that. I mean, part of that's just who God made me. I don't mean that in a practical way. But it's like, I don't just want to be pretty good. I want to be supernatural. Mm-hmm. 
we aren't obviously, maybe as obvious to the world whose we are because we have not yet recognized who we are. Mm -hmm. My identity is in Christ. The old is gone. Old is past. The new has come. I'm a new creation. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to get this. It's starting to like build some neural pathways in my brain. It is. It's starting to, like, agreements are being made with him. And when I agree with him, his mind and my mind begin to intersect. And our neural pathways connect. It's a supernatural, crazy thing that can happen with our God. He avails himself to us in that way. So, why do we want to settle for debauchery, sensuality, partying, drunkenness, wild drunken tea parties, the worship of demons? Now, most of us sitting here are probably going, well, I don't really do any of those things, but you know what? Fill in your own blanks. Mm -hmm. Why do we want to settle for the stuff I talked about before? Envy, bitterness, criticism, you know, moodiness, you know, um, lack of faith, doubt, despair, discouragement. Why do we want to keep living like that's our normal? Yeah. When we can say, uh, no, I, I could live. Like, really, you guys, we could close the book right now and if we, if we just practice this one thing, wake up tomorrow and say, what would please you for? Right. We could write on that for a while, right? Mm -hmm. What would please you for? But he's just saying, you had your opportunity to do that. Now put it away and don't do it anymore. Like, why do you want to? And the reason I think we want to is because we haven't tasted how good this is. Or it's just been a little nibble. So Bree and Joy went out for their first date without holiday on um, Saturday. They got, we had all three of the kids and holiday was amazing and it was really fun. And I hope it was fun for them. It's fun for us. But she was telling us about this cake. They went to this amazing restaurant. Their team, Joyce's team, won contest and they went to this amazing restaurant. Um, and they got this cake. And what was the name of the cake? Butter it was called cake. Butter Cake. And apparently it is to die for. And there was this girl there, and I won't tell the story exactly right, but I'm just going to give my rendition of it. Um, there was this girl there at the table who was like, no, no. Brie was like, you need to order this. Like, you know, she knew that it was supposed to be really good and blah, 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 blah. And no, I, I don't really do sweets. No, you really need to order this. Why don't you just take it home? You know, long, long story, like the whole thing. And um, so finally, I don't know what broke the ice, but broke it, but she finally ordered it. She's like, well, I'll just take a piece home for my boyfriend because he didn't get to come and I feel kind of bad. So apparently she took a taste of this thing. <laughs> and she, when she tasted it, she's like, Okay, this is my interpretation. Uh, this isn't going home to my boyfriend. <laughs> I will be eating all of this now. He will never know the difference. <laughs> Was that good? Yeah. That's cake. Uh-huh. Right. Imagine what it would be like if that's how we responded to Jesus. Yeah. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what it says. We actually have to engage. I could hold that butter cake in front of your face. You know, I could fan it, you know, <laughs> under your nostrils. I could try to, like, convince you. I could give you money. I could do whatever. And if you didn't taste it, you would never, ever know how spectacular it is. But you know what? When we just fill up our lives with all this other debauchery that even looks good, like religious spirit and religious works and the, the to-dos and the shoes and the musts and the have-tos that... 
we have agreed to, that the enemy has laid upon our lives that we just go, yeah, oh yeah, that's what I have to do to be a good Christian, that's what I have to do to be a good wife, that's what I have to do to be, you know, a good citizen, whatever the good thing is, you know, and I'm not even saying any of those things are false, but first and foremost, how do I please you, Jesus? How do I please you? And he's just saying, would you just be willing to, like, let go of that stuff? Because... By the way, I love that the way that they phrase it. You had a chance at all this. And I told you before about this one young woman I knew that she um, had a pretty high life, lots of lots of money flowing in her life, and I'm not I'm not yes, blessing, so don't get the wrong idea that I think, oh well that's why, but but it was a it's a was a pretty huge distraction and it was just hand over fist, like whatever you want. I go to the dealership today and I'm gonna get mm-hmm. my tires checked and I just go, Oh, I just think I'll buy a new car today. You know, just like and not like a not like the kind of car that Michael and I buy, but like a car, like you know, like a car that could be like a mortgage payment. Like you could you should be able to live in this car because of what it costs, you know, that kind of car. Don't think there's anything wrong with that. Not judging at all. It was just her life and so she had professed the faith of Christ and she was coming to Bible studies and she, I just remember her saying this to me, it's just really hard, it's a lot harder than it was when I wasn't a Christian. And you know, I'm thinking, I didn't have the right answer then, that was like probably 20 years ago or so, and I know I said something and I'm not saying it was off base, but you know, now I would be like, man, that breaks my heart because you have not really tasted yet the goodness of God, or you wouldn't be saying that because life is hard, my friends. I mean, it's hard. Like, if I look at the account right now, I'm going, there's a lot more feels like in the heart right now. There's a lot in the heart. At least there's a lot more than there has been recently. There's still a lot, a boatload in the good, but it's like, it is hard, but I I don't choose to have that be my focus. I acknowledge it. I grieve it. I don't like it. I think it's part of the, the... fall of this world that God has Jesus came and redeemed but it's still it's still partly for us to come in and speak life into our world and speak life into what's happening in our in our politics and everything instead of like joining in on the death march I am just so saddened by and I was this person too because I didn't know better and I am so saddened by the amount of Yuck, that just keeps being perpetrated by Christians. Like, just keep fanning the flame of the death march. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can acknowledge that we need to pray for our country. Yes, you can pray for our country. Yes, you can pray for our leaders. We need to honor them. We don't have to agree with them. But we also don't need to be standing on the side like clinging mud. Right. It's not our job. Our job is to be light. And our job is to be salt. And so it's like, do away with all this. Stop, in other words, stop acting like everybody else in the world because it's not who you are. It's like the friends I remember having in high school that they, they were, I would call them chameleons. And they would go to this group and then they would be this person. And then they would go to this group and they'd be this person. And for me, you know, I was, I was just not, that never who I was. I did not like playing, I was not a good girl in high school. Not only like I was a bad girl. I mean, I didn't play the good girl games very well. I was like, I don't like that, so I just would rather step out than be in the middle of that. You know, why did you do the mean girl thing? And I didn't like the gossipy girl thing. And I was like, I, I'm not. I don't make a very good girl here because I don't like that. And it's like that's not who we are. Like we're who we are. 
I don't go to this group and pretend I don't love Jesus. I'm not saying you have to throw up on people and that you have to be, you know, so overt that you're offensive. But, man, if you're ashamed of him, you know what he says in the word? that He will be ashamed of you. Now, I don't know exactly what that means because we're under grace. I don't know exactly what that means. But what I do know is, like, I don't want to test it. Like, do you? Like, I don't want to test it. I just want to go, yeah, this is who I am. And here's what it says. That when we, when we do this, when we put this stuff away, it says they will marvel that you no longer rush to join them in the excesses of their corrupt lifestyles. I, I know that. This is what my friend was struggling with. It's like, but, but, but it, it, my family doesn't like this, that I'm different. And my friends, the, this group of friends, they don't like it that I choose not to do this thing anymore. And these people at work that I used to do this with, you know, now I'm kind of feeling a little alienated because I'm saying, mm, you know, I just don't have that desire anymore. Which actually, the not having the desire is, is like a, a great celebration that God's changing something in you. And we can either choose to go, wow, the Lord just took that away. I'm not saying you have to go out under the law and like be, you know, poly purebred. I'm just saying, like, go at, in, with Christ and saying, what can I do to please you? How do I honor Can you imagine what you would feel like if you walked into a room and you were behaving in a way, and I'm not just talking about behavior, but basically that your attitude is, I sure hope nobody asks me about Jesus. I sure hope nobody knows I'm a Christian. I, I don't want to give any kind of affiliation with that. And, and Jesus is there. <laughs> Jesus, the God who is like, I, man, I love you. I just love you. I think that's what he would say. I don't think he would condemn you. I think he would just say, I love you. I love you, Robin. And I would just be in the puddle on the floor. Mm-hmm. I'd just be in the puddle. Oh my gosh, what do you do? I love you so much. I can't believe that. I can't believe that. And when I act like this, and I don't act like who I am, it's kind of what I'm doing by choice. I'll just keep kind of living that old lifestyle. It's okay for me to do that. I mean, how many of us give ourselves permission just to keep acting rotten sometimes? <laughs> We don't even know we're doing that. You know what I mean? I don't even think I knew that for so long, but we just kind of give ourselves permission. It's that, well, that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. No, it's not who you are. And he gave you this opportunity to have this whole new life, and he's saying, you know, people aren't going to like that. Just don't be surprised by that. They're going to not like that you don't come along with them anymore. Why? Because it makes them a little uncomfortable. You're not trying to make them uncomfortable. I remember that with friends going... I was not the girl that got invited to all the high school parties. I never wore a t-shirt to, to high school that said, don't ask me to a party because I love Jesus. <laughs> I didn't wear that t-shirt. In fact, my friends were the captain of the basketball team who was like head partier, central, his girlfriend. I had like friends from all different groups, and I was kind to them, and I loved them, and they knew I went to Young Life, and they knew... You know, I, it, for as much as a 15-year-old worth of Christian I could be, they knew that I just was different. I didn't ever say that to them. They just knew. And out of actually love and protection, like Teddy was two years older than me in, in high school, and he just would be like, don't anybody mess with her and don't ask her to a party. That's what he would say to his other, like, steadily, like, high school friends. You know, just, like, just leave her alone. Because he just felt, I think, cared for. It can be like that. And then sometimes it's just like, Oh, 
you know, I just, I just, everybody knows what it felt like to walk up to the group in high school. Hopefully you weren't that group, but um, if you were, God forgives you too for that. But, you know, hopefully you walk up that group and you're like, uh, okay, I'm turning around now because I do not belong here. It is very clear that somehow I don't have the right hair, the right face, the right shoes, the right whatever, because I don't fit into your group. And, and it's like, so why are we surprised? It, here's the deal. This is going to happen in our families. And this is going to happen with our friendships. I know this. I know this in my own family. I know this in some of your families because I know you. That there are stories where people are like, I just don't get that. Why would you want to do that? And why are you attracted to that? And why would you go there? And why would you spend so much time with that? And why would you invest in that? And why would you, why would you, why would you? Like, hello, good news. That means that you must be turning away from the debauchery. Hopefully it's not just because we're like religious weirdos, but it's like that there's something about you that people are like, why? I don't get it. I don't get it because you, because really ultimately, if, if there were subtitles under their, their face when they were saying these things, and if we could like, if we would just start beginning to ask Holy Spirit what's really going on, what's really at the root of this, as they're saying these things that are like stabbing us and stab, twist, you know, in the heart, and I usually just sort of react to emotions. I'm learning, I'm learning to go, wait a minute, step back, and just kind of speak with the Lord, what's going on, and ask the Holy Spirit. If there was a subtitle, it would say things like, that, that makes me uncomfortable. It makes your lifestyle, makes my lifestyle feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not my job to make your lifestyle feel comfortable, if it's, especially if it's a lifestyle of sin. But my, I don't go out intentionally going, well, I really want to make you uncomfortable. I want to make you feel loved. That's what Jesus would want, just to make you feel loved. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to do this. And this is the reason it says, but one day they're going to have to give an account to the one who is destined to judge the living and the dead. This is the reason the gospel was preached to the martyrs. Or some translations say, I think, the dead, right? The dead, so that they might be judged according. And this, this is, I thought, was a really cool thing. So that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regards to the Spirit. Okay, so what this means is, you know, because of sin, all of us have will have to suffer physical death. That's just like it's written in the code. It's like, okay, here it is. Sin, effect, your body dies. So they're judged according to their body, their physical body. Like, their body, in other words, they died. This is what Peter's telling us. They died. Because that's what judgment for sin was the repercussion on our lives. But in the spiritual realm, they're judged according to Christ and his life on the cross. Which for us means we're not judged. <laughs> which for us means they were seen through the through the veil, through the, the filter of Jesus and his redemption and his blood and his perfect sacrifice. And here's the thing, that's how we are seen now too. We don't have to wait till heaven to get this. We have this now. We need to ask God for big vision of Him. Big vision. Like, I want more than anything else for my children and my friends and people that I care about, my grandchildren. I really want them more than anything to know my heart. Because sometimes I do things or say things and it's like, okay, that was dumb or that came out wrong or that was whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, and yet, 
it's not my heart. My heart is I love you. And I sometimes I get frustrated because I love you so much and I don't want anything bad to happen to you. And so sometimes it comes out in Robin-esque, which can sound super forceful, or like, don't do that, or you're going to fall off a bridge, and I'm like, stop! You know, and I know I do that because I'm so passionate about people I love. I just don't want anything to hurt them. I just don't. It's like, I don't want that to hurt you. And if I see that, and I watch you go towards a cliff, I'm just like, I'm not very gentle probably about it. Like, oh, hello, please don't go over the cliff. Come back, come on. Come on, little Max. I'm like, stop it now! You know, and it's like, okay, Lord, you got to work on that. And he is. He's helping. But it's like, it's the thing, you know, we, we want to know each other's hearts. Right? And so these people that have died, they died. I think that, they, that Peter was trying to reassure them, them about their people that died before Christ. They're going to be okay because Christ... Redemption is still good for their lives. Even though they died before Jesus went to the cross, they still get the benefit of the cross. Because he died once for all, and, it, and that was for eternity. So eternity is not just from here forward. Eternity is from here back and here forward. Eternity is forever, right? I don't comprehend that, but it goes both directions. I'm never very good at that stuff in math, like, you know, the point one minus one on the dot. I hated that stuff. I'm like, just, just one plus one is two. I like normal numbers. I don't like to have to do negatives. I don't want to do that stuff. Negative is negative. It's like, oh, if it's negative, that means you overspend in your checking account. You know you don't want negative. That's all I wanted to do with negative. But it's like, for God, he can reach back into the past and he can reach forward into the future, and he's present right now. And they needed that reassurance, I think, like, hey, they are going to still get in through the blood of Christ. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. he's a generous guy. And so Peter ends this little section with this. Since we're approaching the end of all things, be intentional, purposeful, self-controlled, so that you can be given to prayer. Or in the NIV it says, be alert and sober-minded so that you may pray. Um, in other words, how many of us know this? Life is short. Those of us that are past 50 are learning that like, it's just speedway. It's just a speedway. It's short. And so what I think Peter is saying is, like, hey, you got your chance to live like that. Don't live like that anymore. Now live to please God, and life is short, so now here's what you can focus on. Focus on prayer. Prayer is powerful. Spend your time focusing on that. And, and be sober-minded about it. In other words, be serious. Take it seriously. Take prayer seriously. And then he says, and here's the other thing, love each other deeply. Mm -hmm. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. That's a very famous verse. People quote a lot. Love covers over a multitude of sins. And basically what it's saying is, you know what? When you love somebody, their big things don't seem so big and their small things you don't even notice sometimes. It's just the way love is. Like, yeah, you don't have to call everybody out on everything. You just go, I know they didn't mean that. And I didn't know that that's not what they were thinking. Love expects the best and it believes the best of people. And so he's saying, pray and really, really, really 
love each other, you guys. And then it talks about hospitality. Offer hospitality to one another. And here's, here's the kicker. Offer it without grumbling. I was, um, I was just saying this the other day. That I've seen it like in little cutesy stores with signs before, but you've seen that sign probably that <clears throat> after three days, both fish and guests smell. In other words, it's hard after three days. You know, like there's a difference between entertaining somebody and offering hospitality to somebody. Those are two very different things. Most of us can entertain. Come over, have dinner at my house, and then leave. You know, but to go, hey, and then come and live and live and live. And, you know, during this culture, people didn't just go rent a hotel. They couldn't just go on Travel Zoo and go, I'm going to book a hotel when I go to Jerusalem. It's like I depend on the hospitality of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hospitality is a high value. Now, we can also be really good guests, you know. Like, leave it better than we found it, be helpful, do all those things, don't wait to be asked, just see what you can do. I mean, there's, there's that side of it, but really, he's saying, these are, these are the new qualities that we have. We pray, we really love each other, we're hospitable, and I think there's something really good about hospitality, because it really gets you out of your comfort zone of your stuff. <laughs> um, I have to share my stuff. So last year when we came back from Albania, um, we we it was a crazy year. You most of you know we were building rebuilding this house basically, and then we were planning a wedding, and then right in the middle of it, Ree and Joey get this amazing opportunity to buy a house. So they sell their house; they have nowhere to go, and so we're like, "We'll just come to our house, you know? Of course, we have room. We'll just make it work. It's fine." And so we got back, and they were in our room, and. Um, and we're like, just keep staying in there. It's just easier. We only have one big bed. We have a pull-out upstairs. It's like, well, we're not going to make you stay on that and put the kids on the floor. It's like, whatever. Now, of course, I've been traveling for two weeks. What do I want to do more than anything is lay in my bed? But it was no big deal. I mean, it wasn't just no big deal. And I know it was a short time. You know, it wasn't like months and months and months. And... You know, and I'm not saying that after a while you can't get on each other's nerves, and especially family, we can do that to each other. But it's like, it was actually kind of fun. Like, okay, that's kind of fun. And it's not always fun. And the reason he said don't grumble is because he knows it's not always fun. But he was saying hospitality is what we're called to. And we're to, re and we're to use our gifts to serve each other. And we all have a variety of gifts. Romans 12 tells us, about gifting. First Corinthians um, 12 tells us about gifting. I mean, there's a variety. He just uses a couple here. But what he says is use them um, and as faithful stewards of God's grace. And what he's trying to tell us here is, so grace flows into our lives, and if it doesn't flow out, that's like the Dead Sea. See, I get grace from God, and you get grace from God, but my job is to flow my, that grace back out to you. It's not for me to hold on to it. See, I, my grace flows out to you, your grace flows out to me, his grace flows out to me. I mean, there's plenty of grace to go around. I'm not just to go, I love this grace that I get, but I'm not going to offer anybody else grace. I'm going to be a conduit for grace with my life. And none of this stuff, by the way, we can do on our own. This all has to be dependent on the Lord. And so then he just goes on to say, and um, they should do so as 
they should speak. If you speak, you speak. If you serve, you serve. But you should do so, if any, oh, anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Or in the Passion, it says, for example, if you have a speaking gift, speak as though God were speaking his words through you. If you have the gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength God gives you, so that in everything God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. See, if going back to my beginning statement about that the world is supposed to actually see something different on our lives and be attracted to Christ, I think Peter has just said, here's how you do this. Here's, here's some ways you can do this. First of all, you arm yourself and you take on the same mindset of Christ, that you are, you're no longer a captive to sin. That's not your identity anymore. You don't have to live like that anymore. And then you wake up and you say, Lord, I just want to please you. What does it look like to please you? And then you decide to be very, very sober about the fact that prayer is powerful and you take it seriously. And then you love with everything you've got. Just love lavishly. You don't hold back. If you think you need to call somebody, call them. If you think they need a text message, text message them. If you think you want to do something generous or kind, do it. Because here's the thing we do. We wait till people die to do this. Right before we started, Jessica texted me because she sent me the stuff she's writing up for Pat's obituary so they can send it to the Chicago people. And she's asking for some help with that. You know, and I'm thinking, so we're going to say all these nice things about Pat in his obituary, but how many times did people walk up to Pat and tell him all these nice things? I don't know, maybe they did, but I have a feeling not that often. When somebody comes in the door, be super excited that they came if they don't come in the door, you will be super sad that you weren't super excited. Don't wait for them to be excited either. Don't wait for them to be excited about you coming in the door. Be excited when you see them when you come in the door. We don't know what we have tomorrow. We don't know what we have the next week. We don't need to have any regrets. So we just love a bunch. And then we don't have regrets. Be hospitable. Or don't grumble about it. Use your gifts. And then ultimately, the kicker in all this is God gets the glory. See, we make him famous with our lives. His word demands an action, a response. If we want transformation. So let us not be like what James says. The people that look in the mirror, you know, they hear the word of God, and they walk away and they forget their reflection. They walk away and they forget, now what did you say? What, what did we hear? What did we talk about? Oh, yeah, I'll get back to that. No, we're to meditate on this. We're actually to take this like food and meditate on it. What do you have for us? What do you have for me in this? It's a gift. To come together. And I really, with my whole heart, friends, believe that God wants to bring incredible breakthrough in our lives, incredible transformation, 
so that we like glow, like, woo, you know, I mean, really, with the Spirit. So we go places, and the fragrance of Christ is on our lives, and people are like, whether they know it or not, they're just like, the same way when you go to foreign countries and you can tell if they don't use deodorant, it's the good way, like, oh, wait, what is that? What is that? This is the opportunity we have, but this is what it takes. It takes me saying, my life is not my own anymore. Of course, God is gracious with us, and He lets us be in process. But, you know, every day we have an opportunity to look back and go, now what did I spend my life on? That day is gone. I know, I can be the queen of feeling like I waste time. It's gone. You don't get it back. And if I, if I want to think, Lord, what today blessed you? What today increased your kingdom? What today blessed somebody else? What today, like, just moved things a little bit more forward in love? Because here's the thing, my last thing I'm going to say. There will never be enough time for this stuff. Stop thinking, I'll get to that. I'll be that person someday. I'll do that when this isn't hard anymore. I'll, because, by the way, I don't know if you've figured this out yet, but I'm kind of slow, so sometimes it takes me a while. But life is never just smooth. <laughs> no matter how organized you are, no matter how well you calendar out your time, no matter how much margin you leave, something always comes up. I know that a month ago, Barb would have never guessed that this was going to be her reality. She would have never guessed that she'd be planning a memorial, or that she'd be trying to figure out social security, or health insurance, or how to take care of her life without her partner. And I don't think we have to be morbid like we think that's what's going to happen. But like, you know, I don't let Michael leave the house without us making sure that we get a hug or a kiss or goodbye, even though I get really distracted and I get up in the morning and can be reading, no, oh yeah, I gotta get up, I gotta go make sure I'll do that, because I never want that to happen, that if one of us went out the door, that didn't happen, and I'd be like, dang it, or that I don't give one of my friends a hug or say goodbye, or I was glad you were here, I don't want to ever do that. Right? We all know we've all lost people. Well, most of us have lost people, and we know. God has got a boatload of good stuff for us. A treasure chest of plans for us. But He's waiting for us to choose to exchange the old for the new. It's already there. We just have to let go of that one so we can grab onto this one. Right? Lord, thank you for these beautiful friends. Thank you for their lives. Thank you, Lord, that they're faithful. Even in hardships, they're faithful um, to bless and be generous. Oh, Lord, I just don't want any of us to look back on life with regret in any way, shape, or form. To wish that we would have done more or loved you more or surrendered more. Lord, just every day in your kindness, would you just lead us in the path 
a greater understanding of the way that you love us and the way that you have this beautiful life um, planned out before us. I pray blessings on all of them, and I just ask, Lord, that you, Holy Spirit, would come and anoint and break through, break in their dreams, um, their thoughts throughout the day. Just keep wooing them, Lord, to yourself. Um, keep wooing us to yourself. Help us to be aware and recognize where you're speaking and moving and what you're doing. Help us to be aware of other people around us and to begin being able to see them with your eyes and your heart. Lord, help us to recognize when we're responding in our old pattern, in our old way, and in the dead life that, um, that has no power over us anymore. So thank you for this new resurrected life that you've given us. And thank you for Peter and what he wrote down for us through the power of your spirit that we could relate to today. Um, I pray none of us would walk away without um, something to step into this week. And that you would show how vital that was that we held on to that mm -hmm. to build our faith. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.